With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to Pit Pass Moto, the show that keeps you up to speed on the latest in motorcycling and brings the biggest names in motorcycle racing right to you. I'm PJ Doran. I'm Dave Selecki. And this week on Pit Pass, we have Robbie, Bobby McClendon, and Taylor Roberts. But first, here's the latest news in the industry. Wow, another uh, crazy weekend of racing to talk about Atlanta Supercross. Boy, I tell you, just when you think uh, the series is going to settle down, it goes upside down again. So you got all kinds of action on the track. 450 class was amazing. Roxon was just on another level this weekend. He just seemed to be dialed. Wins his heat, goes out and wins the main event in the 450 class. That was an impressive weekend. Uh, yeah, brought the points on even. It was uh, it was kind of a, a show of dominance by Roxon. I'd have to agree with you. Yeah, we went into the weekend with about seven points between Roxon and Tomac, and just Tomac had some bad luck. He goes out and wins his heat just like Roxon did, and I really thought that, you know, it was shaping up to be Clash of the Titans. And uh, he had a he had one of those starts in the main event that just he had to fight his way up and fight his way up he did. He did good, but uh, now we've now we're even in points and we've got two red plates going into uh, the Daytona Supercross next weekend. Yeah, that's a big deal. And the other big story I thought after watching all the the race action from Atlanta was Webb, his bounce back, literally bounce back, and then uh, fighting back himself in the final to a podium finish, uh, holding off a charging, uh, a charging Tomac. That's that's impressive for a guy who had a very serious back injury last week, as we know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, definitely worth talking about. He uh, he climbed up from the bottom and got his way back up to third past uh, Davalos there on the last lap. That was quite a last lap with uh, both him and uh, Tomac going after Davalos, and they both passed him in the same corner. But, yeah, full full credit to Webb. I really think that Tomac was the story because he came back from mid-pack or worse. I think he was about 13th, 14th place at the start of the moto. And to get up to fourth on a track that just was one-lined and difficult to pass on, he found ways to pass. He ended up on the ground a couple times. He got into it with uh, with Blake Baggett kind of cut him in a, in a, into a corner and took them both out. Blake Baggett was not happy. Gave him a little shove. Yeah, definitely that was uh, worth mentioning. Yeah, and I'm surprised well. I'm surprised AMA hasn't said anything, but I guess it wasn't wasn't major enough to to talk about. And they may be letting some scores get settled it seems. Uh, the 250 class, we also had some bit of action there, speaking of rubbing and bumping. Yeah, there was a little bit going on in there. R.J. Hampshire, man, another great start in the main event. Goes out, he's leading. I think Sexton just wore him down, just uh, came after him, and, you know, by by attrition, he just worked his way up there. So, you know, full credit to, to, to the defending champ for sure. He, uh, he just, he's been very solid. The guy that I really thought would be doing a little better this weekend, I, I still think the track was suspect, but... McElrath just wasn't able to make up ground, and he couldn't get around Hampshire. That track just wasn't allowing it. 
yeah, he definitely gave it a couple of good tries, and uh, it was very difficult to pass there. So we're starting to see a little point separation in the 250 class. So you've got 75 points for Sexton, 61 for Hampshire, 70 for McElrath. So McElrath in second. So it's a good tight battle, and it's good to see. Going into Daytona Supercross, which is always the, one of the premier events of the year, and I, this is the one Supercross event that I really look forward to the most because it's like an outdoor race in the middle of the Supercross series, and the track is always a challenge. And whoever can win that event really, I think a lot of times, goes on to win the championship. It does seem to be a, a turning point in the season every every year in memory when we go there. Whoever comes out of there really does seem to light it on fire the second half uh, or the majority of the second half of the season. Yeah, so we got that to look forward to. I think the Daytona Supercross is, is, is a premier event of the year. It's the It's the middle of the series, and that's usually when things have kind of settled in. But, you know... It's a track designed by Ricky Carmichael, so you know he's, you know it's going to be hard. He's not going to he's not going to give them an easy track to race. The track maps I've seen look pretty tough, and uh, they do a good job down there with that. Yep, looking forward to that. There was uh, other motocross action uh, around the world, wasn't there, Dave? Yes, sir. We had the opening round of MXGP in Matterley Basing, UK, and as we can imagine, in the in the MXGP class, which is the 450 class to you and I. Jeffrey Hurlings, the Dutch uh, racer, just uh, went out and won the first moto, came in second in the second moto and takes the overall defending champ, Tim Geiser from uh, Slovakia, ended up second place. And one of my favorites, Tony Caroli from Italy, ended up third overall. And here's an interesting stat. Gas Gas Motorcycles got its first MXGP finish this weekend with an eighth overall. That's historic. That's worth noting. That's that's awesome, and congrats to Gas Gas. In the 250 class, we had Yago Geertz from Belgium take MX2. First overall with Tom Vial, second from France, and Mikel Harrop took third. So the guy kind of missing from that podium is Thomas Kears Olsen, who was really kind of looked at to be the heir apparent in that class. He just had a rough weekend. He had a a really wet, sloppy track, so he just he just didn't do well. All right. Well, with the end of uh, those very... Uh, Good updates regarding motocross. I finally have road racing news to share. We kicked off the World Superbike road racing season in Australia at the Phillip Island track. It was entertaining, and we had an American, it is worth mentioning, Garrett Gerloff is in that paddock now racing uh, on a privateer Yamaha he looked ever so good in race one. He ran his highest seventh. Unfortunately, he faded a bit at the end to finish 14th in race one. And I'll finish off the news on our American before I give the results. He unfortunately got run into Sunday morning in warm-up and uh, went off, crashed. He and the Cortese is the gentleman who uh, unfortunately hit him on track during the warm-up. Gerloff was concussed, taken to local uh, medical uh, facilities. He is reported to be okay. No injuries beyond it. The the con presumed concussion, but was unable to continue the racing on the weekend. But he had a good race one, and we uh, hope that he'll return safely and in good health uh, shortly. Race one, Razgatliaglu was on fire, took it for Yamaha. Story of the, the track through all three races, race one, Super Pole race, and race two, impossibly thin margins at the line. I think it was less than one-tenth for the top four finishers at the line. So we're talking NASCAR-type finishes at the line. Uh, Rosgatli Aglu over Lowe's on the Kawasaki 
teammate to the air to the reigning champ Ray, who unfortunately crashed very early in the race and was a DNF. So he was unable to immediately come out swinging in the defense of his title. Scott Redding on the Ducati was third in race one. Super Pole, more of the same contenders. Ray was able to bounce back from uh, his DNF. He won the Super Pole race. Then Roz Gottlieb in second and Redding in third. Race two, another just incredible battle all the way to the line. Lowe's nips Ray, that's his teammate, at the line. It was thousandth of a second difference at the line with Redding in third. So an incredibly good weekend of racing in Australia. And uh, we look forward to more. Unfortunately, it has to be mentioned, MotoGP was to start its season in the coming weeks. The GP class has been postponed from competition in Thailand. Moto2 and Moto3 classes who have been in Thailand for testing will carry on and race due to travel restrictions from the coronavirus epidemic that is unfortunately impacting a lot of things around the world, now hitting our our racing uh, industry as well. So again, the GP class will not be racing. The Qatar, upcoming Qatar race is where the GP class will not be racing Thai GP, the one following it on the 20th of March, has been postponed, hopefully to a later date, which brings into question the Qatar World Superbike race, which is the, the week after the Qatar GP. It is presumed that may be delayed or postponed or canceled. Uh, time will tell. So unfortunate events uh, from uh, the coronavirus situation. Dave, what do we got for a trivia question this week on Pit Pass? Yeah, for sure. Uh, The uh, Pit Pass trivia question of the week, this is a great one. Time to uh, the events coming up next weekend. Who was the first privateer to win a Supercross? Name the rider, year, and brand of motorcycle. And we'll talk about that later on in the podcast. Welcome to Pit Pass one Robbie, Bobby McClendon, one of America's, I will say it, America's finest flat trackers. Robbie, welcome back to the show. We're looking forward to talking to you about everything you've got planned for the upcoming Daytona Bike Week events. You've got flat track, you've got road racing all in your future, and Pit Pass is going to be there. Look forward to hopefully catching up with you at the track. We're going to have our representatives at the facility, thanks to DMG and their support. Oh, I was gonna say thanks a lot for having me on, man. It's it's always a pleasure to talk to you boys over there. But yeah, I've got a uh, full plate as you can imagine. I uh, I do it to myself. I guess I've got kind of a problem. Yeah. So what do you got? Uh, you've got a flat track, right? Let's talk about that effort first. That's your home base, right? Flat track is really where you've uh, you've really made your chops in the motorcycle uh, passion industry. Correct, Robbie? Is that fair? Yeah, that's definitely fair, man. Yeah, we've got a track called Pentacle Dirt Track, and. Um, we use it mainly. Uh, we have a few races here and there. You know, we have a little local series, but generally this is uh, 100% used for our training, racing, wearing the dudes out, you know, a little bit of everything we do there. We even built a little uh, pit bike track so we could change it up a little bit because going in circles does get a little repetitive after a while. And so that's not the – you've got a team. You've got riders. Well, how many riders are you going to have totally that you would say you are representing or they're representing you during this uh, Bike Week event with multiple uh, venues or multiple races happening? 
Well, yeah, so I'll kind of pretty large umbrella, but I mean, obviously everybody pretty much knows that Dalton is my main, uh, my main focus. I don't want to take anything away from the other guys, but most of the other riders have their own teams they're riding for. They just kind of rely on me and, and get uh, help with me, whether it be building their motors or training at the track or wearing them out of the gym. But, um, you know, me and Dalton have a good, a good thing going. And, um, you know, he's good. Uh, on race day, it's, it's 99.99% Dalton, but, um, you know, we help out Morgan Mishler, Brandon Kitchen, Landon Smith, who's an up-and-coming amateur. I mean, the list goes on and on. I mean, there's literally so many people. Trevor Bruner worked with him last year. He won the, uh, the Horizon Award Dirt Track. We'll pretty much help anybody that, that wants to help. If they're willing to put in the effort and listen, most importantly, then, then we're happy to help. But we do have a few, we call them assholes, who asks a bunch of questions and then I'll argue with you. So <laughs> it gets, <laughs> I kind of uh, I kind of turn those guys down in the sense where, you know, hey, good luck. You know, no hard feelings. I don't have any hard feelings towards any riders. But, uh, but there are some guys that think they know best. And, and, and heck, myself included, I, I, uh, I'm very headstrong myself. So, but I've been around it long enough to know and won enough races to, uh, to have a, a theory on what works and what will work and what doesn't work. So I'm at the point in my life now. I mean, I do love to argue. I think we all know that. But uh, <laughs> but at some point, at some point, you just kind of say, all right, well, who's listening and who's not? And now that we've got you know a grand national championship behind us and uh, and multiple wins and other disciplines, that uh, I'm just going to rely on that to kind of set how I feel needs to happen. So I'm kind of curious, uh, Robbie, with your uh, program, you, you're doing some engine building. What uh, what does that entail? Are you doing uh, tuning and building? Are you running a dyno to do testing and proof things out or does that go right to the racetrack no it's a little bit of everything honestly last year with dalton we started out with our own program i don't do cylinder heads i know enough to know that that's where a lot of the horsepower is at but i also know that there's a lot of guys out there that just take a dremel tool and and make them worse so luckily vance and hines came on board our program last year and provided some amazingly good cylinder head work and then we coupled that with uh daniel crower who's got crower camshafts out in california and he also was was big into it, but uh, Vincent Hines has, has stayed with us. And it depending depending on last year in particular, sometimes it worked out well to where they just took the bike back with them and they did some more development because the Husky's so new. And in other times, like if it's a Honda, you know, I built Corey Texter's motors the year before. I built Trevor Bruner's motor uh, right before Grand National Championships. So to answer your question, man, I've got a buddy of mine that does dyno work for me i'll go over to his shop which is locally and sit there and we'll play on his dyno and mm-hmm. i've got my own dyno too but we we like to use both of them just as a tuning tool because mine seems to read a little bit higher than his so sometimes i like a stingy dyno for instance right now i've got a vance and Hines cylinder head sitting on the bench ready to go on another bike i'm building for daytona so yes i, I can do it all but i don't do uh, head porting it's just too much too much to lose if you screw it up Mm-hmm, and for sure. somebody like Vincent Hines has done so many of them and you just get a cylinder hit back from those guys and it's it's a work of art you almost hate to put it on your bike you yeah it's, like a, it's automatic and yeah it's it's ready to go and there's no doubts I mean so much of it is engine flow but it seems like now tuning is so much more involved with electronics getting the black box you know getting the maps exactly where you like them do you get help with that too uh, yeah, you know, we did, um, we went with the, well, I guess we didn't really have much of a choice. We, when our Huskies were bought, they were so new that nobody really had anything except for a company called Git ECU. So we found out that not only is it a really, really, really good setup, that um, it was very user-friendly and versatile. Like I could be at the track tuning it with my phone. So 
if we need to make a slight adjustment, we would. But for the most part, Vance and Hines had us dialed in with the fuel. And then we get to track and just make make little adjustments. But you're you're so right in electronics, whether it's dirt or asphalt, road race, whatever. It's it's so critical, you know, especially more in the road race setup now, which is unfortunate because it it just takes your budget to the sky, you know. But um, it's a necessary evil. And Robbie, are you? So it's clear, obvious that you're uh, the flat track wizard guru that you are. Do you have, so you've got Jake riding one of your bikes for the flat track. Do you have any involvement in the 200 earlier in that same day? Are you going to be fielding uh, uh, bikes, teams, riders in that event as well? You know, I I really thought about it. I'm going to help out Jake with little stuff, whatever he may need. He's got a good team behind him, so I don't anticipate him need much from me in that that realm. But there's so many road races out there that, that I like a lot, too. So if somebody comes up needing some assistance, provided I'm not you know buried underneath Dalton's Harley, then I'll definitely uh, offer anybody some some assistance. But no, right now my main focus is going to be Dalton and um, and then you know providing Jake with some very, very good singles. You know, Obviously, they know how to get around a racetrack. They've won a bunch of races last year, so it's going to be up to Jake, and I think he's up to the task. Yeah, definitely he is, and... Like I mentioned, we are going to be there. Pit Pass is going to be there. Tony and uh, Tommy Boy Halverson are going to be walking the pits. I'm sure they're going to come looking for you. Don't let them bother you. You've got serious business on your hand. No, we hope to see them. I'd, I'd love to have them hang out. Yeah, they're definitely going to make their way to you, I'm sure. What's your outlook, I guess, on the, the upcoming season? It's uh, it's getting closer. This is the beginning. It is, and it's always a, a struggle. I, I, I try to remind Dalton to... Um, to make sure you know you realize hey it's 18 race series and like the cliche goes you know you can't win the championship in one race but you can certainly lose it so just like with last year man hey you know if we're we're feeling like shit today or if we just aren't getting together to capitalize and make whatever you can out of it but then when we're on our good days we're gonna come you know hard dick right at it and and try to knock them out of the park so we're gonna uh, we're gonna have something for them for sure i think the vance and hines harley crew has been absolutely working their asses off all all winter long to, to make them better and better and got a lot of good testing underneath his belt so it's it's really just going to be on how how much he wants it man but we'll be there and then uh, i'll be doing some supermoto stuff i help out a bunch of scoring and i'm running my own races so there's never never a dull moment man i wish i had some downtime but i do it to myself and you mentioned supermoto robbie uh, i know there was a uh what capacity or or which series i know there's been a lot of movement in our national supermoto scene there's a, a schedule that was just released very recently pertaining to supermoto or is that what you're referring to yeah yeah for sure um so alex monk is uh is is running that show and doing a great job trying to revive a series that you know was i mean for all its purposes when i was deathbed and I'm happy, you know, we've worked together well with, with his supermoto stuff. We've worked together with his hooligan stuff where he's helping roll in sand. So I really do have high hopes for supermoto to make its way back because it really is the cool form of just about every type of racing mixed into one. I'd love to see him succeed with that and, and keep, keep pushing forward with that. I can't decide what I want to do, man. If I want to try and get my pro flat track card back, I've even thought about running the 200 next year. There's a, and it's funny, Dalton just looked back at me right now and that kind of smirked because he knows that he don't want to <laughs> Yeah, nothing like a, a team a team owner manager coming after their rider. Yeah, you've uh, you've done some riding recently, racing recently. Are you still doing like, it sounds like you're far too busy to go out and do anything res- resembling club racing. It's got to be something big, I presume, for you to to get on and twist the twist the throttle. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'd, I'd absolutely love to. You know, um, a, a little over a year ago, uh, the Altus Motors guys gave me an opportunity to see if I could still go go around a road race course, and I, I proved I could. You know, it takes me about a month or two to get back into shape, but um, you know, uh, it, there's all different animals, man. But I'm at the point now where if it's not something legit, you know, I don't, I don't want to sound like a cocky asshole. It's just not not worth my time because I've got so many irons in the fire. But, um, you know, Dalton, whenever he t- talks his smack at me, you know, I like to knock him out a peg or two. So I can, I can hang with him a little bit on the, uh, the, the mini bikes and stuff like that. But, man, it's just crazy to see the, the different levels, man, because I considered myself fast back in the day, and, and he just stomps a hole in my ass every time he rides. So, almost to the point where it's not fun riding with him. <laughs> well, that is uh, his job, so it speaks well that you got the right guy in the seat. What do you guys, uh, I mean, what do you think clearly in the, the past couple seasons, the Indians have really seemed to have a step. Are you guys confident you're coming, you know, you're getting closer to being able to, to really give them something? Yeah, I think so, man. If you watch Springfield at the end of last year specifically, um, you know, I think Sammy Halbert proved, um, you know, that, that they can run up front. You know, the Harley has been, the, the thing is, you know, you're taking a Harley, which is basically a, a production motor and you got to tweak it and build all sorts of shit to make it compete with a motor that was scratch built designed as a race motor. So Absolutely. they're already behind the, yeah, you're already behind the A ball. Think of it like this, man. You know how hard it was for those CRT bikes back in the day to compete with a real MotoGP bike. Same scenario. You got guys yeah. cause they had to be built off of a production motor. Well, you could run whatever chassis you wanted, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what you do to a production motor. It's not going to be a MotoGP motor. Well, Harley and Vance Hines has almost unlimited resources. If you go by their shop, you'd be in awe, man. I mean, they're casting new cylinder heads right there in house. I mean, it's it's incredible. So they're trying to make a, you know, a CBR 1000 bottom end and everything work and make it into a you know a, a MotoGP Honda, which you know we both know that the MotoGP Honda is a V4 and CBR is inline four. But you get the idea. So yeah, big big tasks, big tasks, different design. Correct. Correct. So there, there, you know, there's a lot of work that goes into it and I can't speak on a lot of the, the technical side of it, you know, just cause it, I just can't, but I do know that they're working their asses off every single day and, and getting Ricky Howerton into the crew and they hired Brian Smith, who is arguably one of the best milers you can get. So I think, uh, I think this year is definitely going to be a, a stepping stone, I'm not taking away anything from any of the riders that Harley's had in the past, but you know, I'm, I'm definitely biased towards Dalton, so I think that he's the man for the job. We look forward to what's going to happen out there. I think you're absolutely right, and we're excited for you and your team, uh, Robbie. Again, just want to mention we look forward to seeing you at Daytona and also want to give you a chance to thank, are there any, uh, as we near the end of our time, any uh, sponsors that you want to thank who we haven't already? Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, i got to thank my own shop, you know, uh, D&D Cycles. We're a family-owned dealership, but luckily, you know, when I'm gone, my parents are, are there to, uh, you know, hold the fort down. Not that they don't do it with I'm, when I'm there also, but, um, you know, I, I couldn't do what i do if it wasn't for them stepping up because I couldn't leave the shop if it wasn't for them. But then, of course, you know, I already said a million times, Vance and Hines, you know, they, they stuck with my guy. They, they trusted him. They trusted my input on it, and... You know, now we're going to be working together, and, and I'm super grateful for that. And then, you know, um, for our, our Husky Varna program, I wish I could say thanks to Husky for providing bikes, but since I'm still paying on one and Dalton's still paying on the other one, I can't really say thank you for them to that. But uh, <laughs> Behringer Brakes, they came on board. Uh, Felipe, he hooked it up big time with, with some of the best brakes you could ever get. And then um, 
you know, Crower cams and big, big, big shout out to Castro Oil, who uh, my buddy Matt LeBlanc came through big time with us for them, which definitely helped, man, because it was nice putting a brand new oil change on the bike every session just to, to keep it alive because we're on such a small budget. You know, we had to uh, make do with what we had. Well, you've done it very well over the course of a, a number of years. So kudos to you, Robbie. Congratulations uh, on everything you've accomplished thus far. And we can't wait to see what happens for the rest of this season. We're wishing you the best of luck and can't wait to see it. Daytona, thanks for joining us on Pit Pass. Thanks, Robbie. Bobby McClendon for joining us. Uh, Moto America flat track team owner. And all-around awesome guy. Dave, what's the answer to that very interesting trivia question this week? All right, well, let me read the question back one more time. This week's Pit Pass Trivia Question of the Week was, who was the first privateer to win a Supercross? Name the rider, year, and brand of motorcycle. The answer is Ricky Ryan in 1987, and it was the Daytona Supercross. Motorcycle was a Honda. I'll never forget that race because it was kind of a wet weekend and a wet race. And the story behind the story was Ricky Ryan had blown up his knee in practice. He lost his ACL, basically, and uh, went out in the main and pulled a hole shot and disappeared. And no privateer had ever done that prior to that event. They just, you know, were never able to break through the upper crust, right, the, the factory bikes. Yep, that is, uh, it's a huge deal not to be underestimated in any sport any of the motorsports when someone who doesn't have direct factory sport manages to get in front of all of them. And things were shifting in, in motocross and supercross in the U.S. those years because 1986, I think, was the first year the production rule kicked in where all motorcycles raced had to be based on a production vehicle rather than prior to that, they were the exotic one-off works motorcycles that cost hundreds of thousands of dollars and the factories would build special for each rider. So... That's when things were kind of shifting and changing and becoming a little bit more competitive where the average person could buy the same bike that David Bailey was racing, let's say, and, and go out and compete with those guys. So Ricky Ryan was a heck of a story because he was just kind of an unknown up until that event. And uh, there really haven't been too many privateers since that uh, have gone out and won Supercrosses. Next here on Pit Pass Moto is Taylor Robert, fast racer in the Works Series out west. Taylor, how's it going, man? Welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Uh, yeah, everything's going good. Just um, been pounding out a couple races the last few weeks, and then uh, I'm actually headed up to Northern California for a little hair scramble this weekend. And, um, yeah, just having a, having a blast racing my dirt bike. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you've had great success already in the work series this year. Winning the first two rounds, I think, is just, just stellar. And you, you mentioned hair scrambles. It seems like you're a guy who does nearly every discipline of racing just about and off-road. Yeah, and I don't know if it's a combination of just me getting bored doing the same stuff over and over again, but also having a little bit of passion and drive to be one of the best all-around riders in the world. So those two things mix pretty well. I can always change up the training and try something else. And uh, yeah, I just honestly, I, I enjoy all types of riding, everything from supercross to, you know, a hard enduro. So I like it all. Out of all of those, what's your favorite? Which one do you really like to do the most? Well, winning is fun. So that makes the work series fun for me. <laughs> but if I'm just going to go out for a ride with my buddies, you know, 
say it's non-training specific. It's just go out and have fun. I tend to gravitate towards the hard enduro, extreme enduro type rides. I just, I love that challenge of, you know, coming up to a canyon or a hill and, you know, we look at each other and be like, all right, let's try and make it to the top. And, you know, you find your own way to the top and it's, it's just incredible what these, not only riders, but what the bikes are capable of now. And, you know, every year it seems like we push the limit a little bit further and a little bit further. And, and I just love that challenge. Yeah, it seems the bikes are just get better and better and better. Now, you've done some of those big extreme enduro events like Erzberg, right? Yeah, I have. I haven't done any anything like Erzberg or Sea to Sky, anything like that for a few years. But I've done, uh, yeah, I've done Erzberg, Sea to Sky, Tennessee Knockout, Last Log Standing, King of Motos, all those good ones. Yeah, those are gnarly, gnarly events, that's for sure. I, I mean, of all of those that you do, which which one would you say is your is your favorite? I mean, Erzberg is just a phenomenal experience. I, I would say to anybody who's a fan of just motorcycle racing, just to go to Erzberg just to experience it. Because not only is the mine way bigger than it looks on TV yeah, or yeah. in pictures, but just the atmosphere there is insane. You have fans from all around the world just going crazy and you have 1500 riders trying to qualify to a 500 rider main event and then you know sometimes only three or four guys finish so it's pretty cool seeing the variety of riders everybody riding the same track at the same time and it's just an awesome awesome event that seems to be the one that they really pump up the most and gets the most attention and it's just that's an amazing stat when you think about it you know that percent of riders finishing out of 500 that start yeah, one thing people gotta have to understand about Erzberg is that it's not that there's only that many people that can actually finish the course. It's the time limit that they put on the race. They only allow you four hours to complete the event. At the four-hour mark, this huge foghorn goes off. Basically, everybody has to stop at that point wherever you are on the course. And that's usually what makes it hard for people to finish is because you could take somebody who's a decent technical rider and they could make it through every obstacle on that course, but it would take them all day long. It's those top, you know, five to 10 guys that are actually racing it and trying, you know, charging in between the obstacles and stuff like that. Gotcha. So that's yeah. where they, they really make up the time because everything there is big, no doubt, and tough. But anybody who has some grit and a little bit of technical skill could get through it. Yeah, it seems that way. And it kind of leans a little bit towards the, the riders that are you know, kind of a trials background almost seem to have a little bit of an advantage getting up over some of the obstacles, some of the big rocks anyway. That's for sure. Yeah, definitely. I mean, trials is very influential in that that category of racing. And it's been a huge part of my training, honestly. When I signed my first factory contract back in 2011 with Kawasaki, and we went to the first race I went to with them, it was Jeff Aaron, Taddy Blazuziak, and Cody Webb on the podium. There you go. And, you know, <laughs> yeah, I thought to myself, like, I'm like, uh, I'm like, if I'm going to do this, yeah. I should probably get a trials bike. So I was yeah. 20 years old when bought my first trials bike, and I mean, it changed changed my game for sure because I went from being a motocross kid with a, a little bit of off-road experience and then after a couple of years of riding trials I was winning endurocross races and going to Erzberg. Yeah absolutely and eventually the, the international six-day enduro which I'd like to talk about a little bit um, that event last year winning the overall in E2 that I think it came down to that final moto that special test I think you were the guy that sealed the deal for the team. Well, we all had to finish. Well, not all of us. They take the best three out of four scores. Mm -hmm. So as long as three of us finish that final moto, then we we were going to win the race. But, you know, it's it's always just 
nerve-wracking because you don't you don't know what's going to happen. I've seen in 2011, Yuha was winning the overall, and um, he crashed in the first turn of the final moto in DNF. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's like you can make it through the first five days of really tough racing and then have something stupid like that happen on the last day. So it's always really nerve-wracking. But, yeah, luckily I did win the final moto in my class, and and was able to kind of secure the win. As there was one more race after us, but by the time I crossed the finish line and then Caleb Russell crossed the finish line right after me, that was our three riders that we needed to finish. And uh, it was just a surreal feeling. Yeah, absolutely. I think, and I struggle to understand why more people in the U.S. don't recognize or see that event as big as it is. It's That's a major accomplishment. You're on a world stage against the fastest off-road riders in the world, most accomplished anyway. And to come yeah. back, I just I, I, I just want to scream it at people when I see them that say, do you realize that we won, the U.S. won that event this year? It's, it's huge. Yeah. yeah, it's really cool. I mean, it's as close as we have to anything like the Olympics for off-road racing. So I always, you know, when I try to explain it to people that don't know anything about it, that's pretty much where I start is, you know, it's, it's the Olympics of our sport. Every country sends their best four riders, and you know you got to make it through six days of tough racing in order f- to win. And not only are you trying to win personally, individually, but you have three other teammates that you got to watch out for and and help them get through the week and make sure everybody does what they need to do in order to win for Team USA. And also change tires in a record amount of time. That that goes with <laughs> it, right? Yeah, it's so funny. Um, the first couple of years I went, I was always so stressed about the tire change. But now this was my ninth ISDE. So I was trying to calculate, you know, how many tires I've changed over those nine ISDs. And it's just kind of like second nature now. I can pretty much do it with my eyes closed. So do, do all your riding buddies bring their bring their wheels over when they need tires changed or what? <laughs> you're, the, you're the go-to guy, right? Definitely for my dad and my father-in-law. They love bringing their tires over my house. Yeah, you'll do it. You can do it in two minutes. I saw it on a video, yeah. right? Yeah, and that's the that's the problem is you when you're talking about ISD, you like to brag about it. Be like, oh, yeah, I did uh, front, front and rear in five minutes. And they're like, oh, perfect. I'll bring my <laughs> wheels over tomorrow. See, it's a piece of cake, right? Yeah. And do you get an is it an automatic uh, invite, Taylor, when you're involved, such as you were in the winning the deal? Is are you guaranteed the next year? Are you looking forward to the next year? Or do, at what point do you say, "All right, I, I've had enough ISD"? I mean, it's got to be thrilling. Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty much always immediate or like three or four days in. You're always telling yourself, "Why am I doing this? I don't know why I'm even here." This is so grueling. I'm wet. I'm cold. My butt is raw. Like, why am I even here? And then you finish the race, and you're like, oh, that feels good to get that done with. And you don't even want to see a dirt bike for another week or two. And then you already have those emotions coming back in. You're like, you know what? I think I'm ready for next year. I want to do that again. (laughs) Um, People say the same thing about you know Ironman triathlons and marathons, stuff like that. As long as I'm staying fast throughout the year, I kind of get my automatic invite back. You know, this year's looking looking good for me so far. I've kind of taken over the role as the team captain, and I have a little bit of input as far as choosing the riders and, you know, giving my opinion as who I think is going fast and can make it through the all six days. So at this point in my career, I would say, yeah, I've, I've kind of had an automatic invite the last few years. But, um, you know, that can change, you know, whenever. As soon as there's another up-and-coming kid, like this Dante Oliveira kid in the work series, he's been ripping. 
you know, he's going to start replacing some of us older guys here pretty soon. That's always the way it is. No matter how fast you are, there's always somebody coming up faster, for sure. Yep, so, exactly. you know, with that in mind, I mean, all these disciplines you've raced and, you, and you've done very well at is, who's been your greatest uh, competitor in all the various series that you've raced over the years? Hmm. You know, it's crazy. I've done... I've done so much different stuff. Obviously, Kurt Caselli was a huge influence to me. I raced Kurt 2009 through 2013 and always had a blast racing Kurt. But I would say the most intense guy that you can ever be on the track with who never gives up and you're always telling yourself in the back of your head, you're like, how is this guy still hanging in there, <laughs> is Mike Brown. Oh, there, you know, I've heard that about him on the motocross track too, yeah. For yeah, sure. I mean, I, I remember my very first pro race was actually Mike Brown's first works race as well. Obviously, he'd been racing professionally for 20 years before that. I was 18 years old, and he was, I remember we joked about it on the podium because he was over twice my age. And then that was in 2008. Oh, and then you yeah. fast forward. Wow, uh, wow. Yeah. He's then so you fast forward to... Uh, uh, what was it? 2015 at X Games, which was you know another seven years later, and I'm still racing the guy, and he's well into his 40s, and I, he's I'm battling with him, and I, in my mind I was like, how is this guy doing this? I'm you know 20 years younger than he is, and he's battling it out with me on the gnarliest track there is, <laughs> and it just didn't make any sense to me. I'm like, he's got a break sometime, right? Yeah, you would think so, but he's earned that, that uh, nickname Velcro. You know, he's, yeah. he's always stuck to your back, and you know, and, yeah. and to meet the guy off the track, he's, you know, he's the mildest mannered, quietest, you know, subdued personality you'll ever meet. He's not, you know, he's not like over the top, and yeah. it just doesn't box with him. He, I guess he's one of those guys who puts his helmet on and he just becomes a boom. New personality, totally. I guess, yeah. Yeah, he is the most aggressive guy I've ever met. And then, you know, he'll clean you out, T-bone you, come off the track, and you're super hot-headed. I'm yelling at him, dude, what the heck was that? And he'll come up to me, he's like, hey, man, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that. You know, his <laughs> southern accent, he's all yep. chill and quiet. And yep. at that point, you can't even be mad at him. You're yeah, like, yeah. He's such a nice guy. Yeah. <laughs> he knows what he's doing. Yeah, exactly. So this uh, this summer is going to be mainly concentrating on the work series and then line up for ISDE? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we've already kind of started preparing for ISDE. It's a little earlier this year. It's the end of August instead of the beginning of November, so quite a bit earlier. But, yeah, just do the works races, the, the work sprint races, which are what I consider to be the best practice for ISDE on the West Coast. They have the, the full gas sprint enduro series on the East Coast, and those, those sprint enduro series really are the – the most similar and best practice for ISE that you can get. Go and focus on those and, um, yeah, just kind of push through the summer, make it through healthy, hopefully win some more races, and then uh, get with the team and head over to Italy. It seems to me just kind of outsider looking in because we're, we're kind of, you know, more Midwest-based, but looking at the work series, it seems to be growing. You're getting a lot more attendance, a little more grassroots. What's your take on it as far as bringing – new people into the sport or just seeing, you know, a growth of the, of the series? It's definitely been growing. You know, it was, it was huge back in the day when I started 06 to say to 09. I mean, there was 30 pros on the line, 40 pros on the line sometimes. And then obviously with the economy crashing and, you know, people, the first thing that went was their toys. But 
as it's kind of come back around, they some new owners in it. The as of last year, they've been doing a really good job with the tracks, just you know, kind of keeping it fresh and different. Yeah, it's definitely been growing. It's been awesome to see some more moto guys trying it out. You have Zach Bell out there who's ripping. And then a couple other guys from the moto side, uh, Cole Martinez and Ryan Surratt, just, you know, giving it a try. And it's cool to see it coming back around. The uh, The turnout's been awesome. The racing's been really good. I mean, at this last one, I was head-to-head with uh, Dante Oliveira for about an hour and just going back and forth. So it's it's cool to see it happen like that and maybe that's the lever they're pulling is they're they're drawing in the, the motocross riders you know which they're they're probably like what happens out east is motocross guys go to gncc because i get more seat time i get uh, a lot more quality riding in, in in the day maybe that's the thing that you know draws them to the work series yeah definitely and it's uh you know like i was saying before it's just variety too you know i think it's really easy to get burnt out racing supercross when you you know most of these guys have one maybe two practice tracks that they go to and they you know this one minute lap time and they'll pound out 50 laps a day or whatever it mm-hmm, is i mean mm-hmm. that gets pretty monotonous where with off-road racing you can go practice anything you know that's what i preach is any type of seat time is good practice for off-road you know you can mm-hmm. you can go do a circle track or you can go up this hardened road canyon or or you can go to the motocross track if you want like any of it is going to be great practice so i think that's what's cool about it is it's something fresh for these guys to get to try new stuff and new challenges and you know it just keeps it fun absolutely well taylor our, our time's coming to an end and we really appreciate you coming on today as um, as we like to do is there uh, are there any uh, people you'd like to thank sponsors and such yeah, I mean the the Red Bull FMF KTM team is has been amazing to me. They're obviously a premier team in the off road world and in the Supercross world now too. So can't thank them enough. And then just a few personal sponsors I have: Red Bull, Rigid Industries, GoPro, Charlie Designs. Thank you everybody for helping me out and hopefully keep it keep it going yeah absolutely and best of luck this summer in AISDE and we hope to have you back on here talking about it sometime soon alright cool thank you guys Well, thank you again, Taylor Robert. And upcoming news in the motorcycle world, we've got, of course, right around the corner, we're only a couple weeks, well, one week out from the start of Bike Week in Daytona with the Daytona 200 on uh, Saturday, March the 14th, as well as the American Flat Track Daytona race that evening in the MotoGP world. This weekend, we do have races at Qatar, but again, only in the class Moto2 and Moto3. MotoGP was canceled from that race due to travel restrictions the following week is a postponed race in MotoGP from thailand which leaves coda the circuit of the americas in austin texas on april the 3rd and april the 5th as uh, hopefully that race will carry on as normal because that also involves our moto america series that is their season opener at coda where they run with MotoGP typically uh, every year and in world superbike The next upcoming race is March 13 through 15 in Qatar. Given what we've seen in the MotoGP class, that race has a serious question mark after it. We will see what happens in that race. We've got to wonder uh, uh, how that's going to affect things going forward, if there's going to be more delays or cancellations. It could hit a lot of things, uh, and I think we're going to see that unfolding. So as it stands, schedule is uh, static until 
further notice, I guess. Yep, and then they, hopefully it doesn't impact our off-road racing, right? Don't know yet. I guess I haven't really heard anything yet because there is some international flavor we'll talk about here in a second. Coming up this weekend, Daytona Supercross is March 7th. That's Saturday. This is really one of the greatest Supercrosses of the year. I hope everyone gets to check it out. We've also got yep. the Kicker Arena Cross in Amarillo, Texas, this Friday and Saturday night. And GNCC Wild Boar is, is in Palatka, Florida, so not far from Daytona, so fans can go check out both of those. And then on the international front, we've got MXGP in Valkensward, Netherlands. So, so far, no uh, reports of cancellations or delays on that series, but I guess we'll have to keep our eyeballs peeled to see what happens. And we definitely want to mention and thank the DMG Group and uh, Moto America and AFT and everyone involved in getting Pit Pass to the races in Daytona. We look forward to being there in effect with our very talented uh, Tony Wink and Tommy Boy Halverson on site at the races. Racers and competitors will certainly see them around the pits. As I know, Tommy Boy has a lot of connections in the Moto America pits as well as the flat track pits. Uh, the guy we interviewed tonight, Robbie Bobby, has been uh, gracious enough to offer uh, anybody a chance to come hang out with his race team. Sounds like fun. All right, and we want to thank you again, as well as our guests, for listening to Pit Pass today. We appreciate you tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app, where you'll get alerts when new episodes are uploaded. Of course, make sure you're also following us on Twitter, Facebook, pitpassmoto.com. Also, this has been a production of Evergreen Podcasts. A special thank you to Tony Wink, Tommy Boy Halverson, Ed Camp, social media contributor Chris Bishop, and our producers Leah Longbreak, and audio engineers Sean Rule Hoffman and Eric Colt. Now, I'm PJ. And I'm Dave. We'll see you next week on Pit Pass. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.